Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Dr. Psych Mom Show. Today, I'm going to be talking about when women say that they're being a good wife, but what they really mean is they're being a good mom. Um, And before we get to that, and I will explain what I mean, uh, but before, please do subscribe. My most recent episode was on what I call the stupid man cold idea and how it's pretty sexist. And in fact, science uh, backs me up on on that it's not a fair thing to say. So you'll probably want to listen to that because really a big part of why I do this podcast and my posts and everything is to help people interrogate their cognitive distortions. And one area of cognitive distortions is frequently gender bias. And uh, certainly I wouldn't want men to go around saying that women are terrible, but also women going around saying that men are terrible, which is uh, unfortunately socially condoned more nowadays, that's also not good. You know, I mean, that that's also unfair and it's uh, pretty fucked up, really. So, so that's why I do that. Okay, so what do I mean by when women say that they are a good wife, they really mean that they're a good mother? This is not all women, obviously, but frequently in couples counseling, I mean, all the time in couples counseling, uh, both people are trying to work on being better spouses. Sometimes that's because there's resentment that's built up that prevents them from being a good spouse. Sometimes they are they just never really learned what it's like to be uh, in a healthy relationship because of how they grew up. That's very frequent. I almost never see people in couples counseling where people had uh, real healthy role models because otherwise it would be a hell of a lot easier for them to be married, you know. Um, And so a lot of times women say, I am a good wife to him and he's not a good husband to me. And when they have, uh, when they give examples, the examples are not really being a good wife. They're being a good mother. And so there's a lot of women that say things like, well, I do all the emotional labor. You guys know what I think of emotional labor. This is not even... I mean, I've I've discussed this a lot, but I mean, emotional labor was never meant to be uh, to mean what it does now. It was like people like stewardesses and and uh, bartenders that have to be nice and happy as part of their job. That is emotional labor, but now it means doing the Christmas cards for your family, which thankfully I think is on its way out. People don't say it as much anymore. But anyway, I I deeply dislike it. And I talk about why you could just go to drpsychmom.com and look up emotional labor. I think I have like four articles on it and I think a podcast too. But anyway, uh, so, so they say, well, I'm the one who organizes holidays. I buy gifts for your mother. I make dinner. And that nowadays it's rare that the woman makes dinner all the time. But if she makes dinner, she makes dinner. Um, I do the various camp forms. I sign the kids up for extracurriculars. And on top of that, like once a week, you get to go do your hobby. And I don't even do that. 
I don't even have a hobby. So this is ways that I'm a good wife. And you don't see, you see what's missing from the list, right, is the number one thing that men want, which is physical touch and sex. So, but she says, look, I, I am a good wife in all these other ways. And so then that stops her from working on and really looking clearly at the things that she is not doing, which are really the only things that matter to the guy. Because I, I, as I've talked about many times, guys don't really care about acts of service. And if you look at it, though, there's none of these acts of service that are really for him at all. They're for the children. So my criterion for something that makes you a good spouse is you can't say that it makes you a good spouse if you would also do it after divorce. Right. I mean, like that seems logical. If, you know, if you think about it like that, if you would do the thing after you divorced, then it can't be the exemplification of being a good spouse, definitionally, right? So, for for example, there's many women that complain about the emotional labor of picking the kids' extracurriculars, right? After divorce, the large majority of them become very upset if they're not allowed to pick the extracurriculars, and it becomes a positive thing, you know, because they always wanted to pick the extracurriculars. And that, maybe they didn't want to do the forms, but they'll pick doing the forms if they also get to pick the extracurriculars, you know. And um, it, it's a, or, or like vacation, like they would plan a vacation for the family, but they do that after divorce for them and the kids. You know, I mean, so like it didn't really have to do with anything related to the man. In fact, if he died, never even mind divorce, but if he died, she would do all these same things. So then therefore can't really make her a good wife. So rarely do I see like a woman anymore who cooks like what her husband most likes for dinner, even if it's not the kid's favorite. In this case, and if he very much values food and used to get taken care of at home by his mother cooking for him and he very much values it and you're always making his favorites, then cool, maybe that is, you know, being a good wife. I rarely, rarely see this. And of course, it's a very different world now. There's DoorDash. There's all sorts of shit. You know, people eat out all the time. Men cook much more frequently. I see, in, in I mean, I, I can't give numbers, but at least I would say half the time, if not more, the men in my office are the ones who are cooking for the family, um, at least half the time, if not more. So, I mean, that one, all right, I guess, you know, if you're always, if this is like a special thing between you guys and you're always making his favorite food, that's nice, you know, but you would, here's another criterion. He has to value it more than other things and that he says that he actually values. So if you don't have sex with him, but you're always making his favorite foods, if you ask him directly, do you, would you rather the favorite foods or would you rather sex? And he says food, well, good, you're good to go. Unless, of course, you, you know, cried and emotionally blackmailed him kind of saying like, wouldn't you miss all these wonderful things that I make for you? And isn't that more important than just sex? And then he feels bad and whatever. And then he says, oh, yeah, yeah. But like, if you just outright ask him, you know, like, would you rather... I have the energy for more physical contact or I really work on that or I go to therapy to address why I hate sex or whatever the case may be, uh, would you rather that or that I make all your favorite lunches? I mean, he's going to say sex, you know, in, in like 80% of the time, if not like 99% of the time, I'm just being conservative there because uh, 
whatever statistics I could find indicate that 20% of the time women are the higher libido partner. So in those cases, maybe the man really values uh, the food or whatever, you know, other thing. But it's got to be for him at all. And this is like where it goes awry, where the women say that something they're doing, quote, for the family is for him. No, it's something you would do even if he wasn't there. If you divorce, you would be making the food for the kids during your night, so that would be half the time, you would be usually begging for more time, really. A majority, you know, of women that I interact with will always take the kids for an extra night after divorce and want them for more of the time than 50-50, even if that's what they have to have. So if you would want this and look forward to this, and if you didn't look forward to cooking, you would order out or whatever, and you would keep your home nicely or clean or however you would do that after divorce. And you would um, obviously, as I said, try to pick out the extracurriculars or if not, you know, they would have no extracurriculars. Whatever you would do after divorce for the children definitionally cannot be you being a good wife. So then there's a big one which women put in that says, what about that I um, maintain contact with your relatives and I send them presents? Almost to a man, every man that's allowed to have an opinion And of course, every man's allowed to have an opinion, right? Because some men struggle with passivity, low self-esteem. They can't assert themselves. So that's what I mean by not allowed. So I should really say in a dynamic where he's like, um, where it's not okay for him to talk, which is co-created by him for sure. There's no woman that unless she has a gun to your head, you can talk, right? But in some dynamics, it's not really like acceptable. That's just not what's done. So in all the dynamics where the man's allowed to be honest, he says, don't do it. I never sent flowers to my mother on her birthday before I met you. I don't need to be sending them now. It's a nice thing you do, but it's between you and my mother. You don't want to do it. Don't do it. And of course, post-divorce, she would no longer do it. You know, in most cases, in some cases, she's real close to the woman. And, you know, they would send flowers back and forth to each other still. But it doesn't have anything to do with the guy because he doesn't want it. He didn't do it before, you know. He didn't value it. And when he was a teenage boy, you know, he didn't think, I really want a girlfriend so she could send flowers to my mother. You know, what he thought was, I really want a girlfriend because we're going to do all these wonderful things in bed. She's going to hug me and kiss me. She's going to look at me like she loves me. She's going to laugh at my jokes. She's going to say nice things. She'll be encouraging and supportive. She'll be somebody, you know, um, smart and, and interesting and talented and whatever the case may be. Those, you know, like as he thinks more clearly, as he grows into an actual man, most men value a woman who is, um, you know, obviously fascinating and interesting to them, physically attractive and warm and loving physically. And this is pretty much it. So, I mean, if, if you're doing things that, that aren't in that, very traditional men do want a woman who can keep a home nicely. But again, you got to think about how you would keep the home without the man around. You know, if you would let it devolve into filth and, you know, then... Then, then do that. You know, I mean, devolve it into filth if you want. And I mean, he'll probably step forward and clean it the fuck up if he's a guy that really values it. And or at that moment, he would say, well, I guess we should get a housekeeper or, you know, we should, I should do more. We should hire out more or whatever. But if, if that's what's stopping you, then stop doing it. If that's what's stopping you from being physically intimate or affectionate, then stop doing all those things. Because, again, in the large majority of cases, the man would find that to be much, much better of a situation and would actually then think you were being a good wife. This stuff, he doesn't think you're a good wife. He thinks you're a good mother. And that's nice. But, like, sometimes women are like, I'm doing this for your kids. 
it's your kids too, right? And you would still be doing it, of course. You know, it is, it's interesting because it actually is the converse situation that actually makes some sense because um, many men act very different as a father for the woman versus how they would act after divorce. So there's many fewer women that change how they act after divorce toward the children than men. Men change how they act after divorce almost immediately. They stop all what they considered bullshit rules that didn't matter on their time. They uh, Bedtime gets a little bit lo- more loosey-goosey. They don't want the kids to grow up anxious, so they start doing a lot of more activities and sports and, you know, trips with physical, you know, like uh, skiing and snowboarding, just all this shit, right? And uh, great, you know, that's cool. And um, so they parent a lot different. The house isn't always as clean. Everything isn't always as uh, regimented because, as I discussed frequently, men don't initiate divorce often, as often as women. But when they do, one of the reasons, the few reasons that they do is that the women uh, are too rigid or anxious. So then when they get to parent on their own after divorce, they really want to remediate that and to provide this counterexample where they are super flexible and the children um, become, you know, they, they just do more stuff. They travel. They go places, they can roll with things, they don't always have to eat at a certain way in a certain style, you know, like that's what men value is the ability to be flexible and to be in all situations easily and therefore to, you know, to roll with shit. But when they're married, the woman really does not want the kids to roll with shit usually and the mother prioritizes more of a schedule and a routine. You know, so in a best case scenario, um, that those things can work with each other, right? So the woman can push more for a routine, the man pushes more for adventure, and then the children get both. In a divorce situation, sometimes they get a little bit too much of one contrasted with a little too much of the other. Maybe it evens out, and you know, maybe not, who knows? But but either way, that, that's what would be a best case scenario. But the woman doesn't usually change how she parents after a divorce because she was not parenting for the man, whereas the man was frequently parenting for his wife. He was parenting in ways that made her happy. She would say, why don't you put down your phone and spend more time with Jimmy? And so he puts down his phone. He spends more time with Jimmy. Even if he had an important work email, he still puts his phone down and he spends time with Jimmy because it's not worth a fight and he wants her to be happy. So that's the more common situation that I see. Whereas after divorce, if he has a work email, he'll finish that and then he'll take Jimmy out and play, you know, or he won't, you know, maybe Jimmy will just do the Wii at night and and not play with him that night and Jimmy doesn't die because, you know, Jimmy doesn't. But either way, previously, he was in a uh, environment where it was perceived that Jimmy might in fact die if he was not responded to contingently in the moment. And uh, the husband went along with this because he wants to make the woman happy. So here's so that that's the parenting piece. But just to zoom out, if you would do it after divorce, it's not being a good spouse because I've just really proven that, you know, and, and it seems, you know, kind of intuitive. And so if you're really trying then to be a good spouse, you got to do what the person actually says that they value and it's got to be for them. And I've discussed a lot about how physical touch and acts of service are the kind of diametrically opposed love languages. Gifts is one also. It's kind of the most distant that you could get. So what are the ones where you don't actually even have to be around the person? You know, words of affirmation a little bit. You know, I guess you could text them the words of affirmation, but it is fairly intimate, you know, to compliment somebody in in, in a real sense. But gifts... 
you know, I mean, you could just uh, buy something. You know, you put it under the tree and yeah, maybe the guy likes it, maybe he doesn't. And it's just there among the various gifts, you know. And for example, for Christmas, I'm saying, and a lot of women don't exactly buy the guy what he would like anyway because he doesn't like anything because men don't like things really they like experiences and and I see this happen all the time where the woman's like oh what do I even get him what does he even like well he doesn't really like much what he would really like is more sex more touch more warmth but that's not on offer instead you're trying to buy something you know from sharper image so he doesn't really give a shit because he could buy that himself but the and and acts of service too as I've discussed many times, this is a very this is the only one you could hire out out of all of them. So definitionally, it's not as intimate because you could hire it out. So an act of service of making somebody um, a meal or cleaning the house or whatever, unless they take this very very personally, which most men do not, then you know it is it is pretty impersonal and it's also something you don't even have to be around you could uh take your wife's car in for an oil change well you didn't even spend time with her so for many women so there's of course many women married to emotionally avoidant men that don't want to engage romantically in the ways that they want where uh, there are physical touch women you know even if their sex drive isn't as high as a sex as a high sex drive man they still love physical touch and words of affirmation and quality time and there's many emotionally avoidant men that are the parallel to the emotionally avoidant women um, and they, too, like gifts and acts of service better because it's a hell of a lot easier to buy her flowers or to take her car in for an oil change than it is to hang out with her, which is what she really wants. And so physical touch is like the most intimate because you can only do that with your partner. You know, of course, you can hire that out, but it's not allowed in most marriages. And that's not what people want. They don't want to go to a prostitute. They don't want to pay for a massage. I mean, they want to pay for a massage, maybe supplementarily. But, you know, you don't want to have to pay for touch. And, and it's actually illegal, you know, to do that in many places, whereas none of the other ones are, especially acts of service. You pay for somebody to clean your house. That's considered that you're living the good life. There's like no no downside to that for most people. So anyway, this is just kind of um, calling women out in the same way as I call men out. In fact, I have a podcast that's titled, um, no, you don't only work to support your wife, because that's a big one that I call out too. So like, yeah, I see a man, he's a lawyer, let's say he's wanted to be a lawyer since he was an argumentative little boy. And, uh, you know, and, and then he decided to be a lawyer. And now he's a lawyer, he's a corporate lawyer, let's say, or whatever kind of lawyer. It's the only one I know, really. Um, and, <laughs> and so oh, I know estates too, that's another kind of lawyer. But the the point is, so he always wanted to be a lawyer. So then if he says that he's a good husband for being a lawyer and having a lawyer's salary, I call bullshit. How's that being a good husband? Yeah, you make money. You would also make money if you divorced or if she dropped dead. You would still be a, a lawyer. You know, um, the same thing with a doctor or with any of these occupations. If there's a man that didn't work ever and then he met his wife and decided to work at all, I've not met this person. I don't know how they would support themselves prior, you know, and there are some men, I assume, in the world, I don't know them, who get a second job to only support the woman's clothes shopping habit. That sounds more like a caricature than anything else. But if these men exist, then certainly for them, working is an exemplification of love. But for any man that would be working otherwise, that's not making you a good husband. You would do that shit if you got divorced, too. You'd still be working. So the point is, like, that could make you... um 
uh, viable on the dating market because you have like a higher income, but it doesn't mean that you're doing it for a woman that you didn't even meet yet, you know? And it's, so it's the same thing for women. You got to understand, are there things you would be doing anyway, even if your spouse didn't exist? Well, then you cannot double dip and say that there's something that you're doing for the spouse. So it's the same for both genders. You cannot take something that you would be doing even if they dropped dead or if they divorced you and then say that it's for them. You could say it makes their life easier, but that is is secondary to the fact that you would be doing it anyway. So you could basically say, I'm a good person to have in your life. I'm, I'm a pretty good roommate. Um, but, but even in those cases, sometimes, in fact, the things that the woman is doing that she's saying make her a good wife actually make her a worse wife and in the man's eyes, a worse mother. And that's the interesting part is a lot of things are very rigid. Things have to go a certain way. And like holidays are a huge fiasco every year where she's like crying and she's exhausted and she has to get 25 different gifts for each of the kids. And every year he's like, why do we have to do this? Let's, Let's just not do this so much and get the kids each one gift or two gifts and we're good. We're good. We don't have to get for extended family. Don't have to decorate the house like this. It's fine. And instead she's pushing and pushing to do it. He act that actually makes her a worse wife and then insult to injury. And even he feels a worse mother because, of course, she's snapping at the kids in the interim and she's exhausted. And then to have that thrown back in couples counseling is this is why I'm a good wife because I make holidays so good. He doesn't think they're so good. He thinks that it's a, um, an artifact of anxiety, in fact. And for again, for men, anxious is like the worst, you know, because... Men prioritize being unconstricted, feeling free and feeling like, uh, you know, um, happy and like kind of um, uh, an approach motivation, we call it, versus an avoidance motivation. So uh, ideally, healthy men go into the world with an approach motivation. Oh, there's something over there. That's interesting. I'm going to go look at it. Oh, that's a problem. Maybe I'll try to solve it. Oh, that's a place. Maybe I would go visit it, you know. And so then when they are constricted from doing anything like that because of the woman's fear of danger, um, aka anxiety or rigidity, then they feel in fact worse and they don't like their lives and they don't like their children being raised that way. So this is how the excessive planning and, you know, scheduling and all of this actually, it's not even just a, um, a neutral. In fact, many men think this makes the woman a worse wife and mother. So, so it's even worse than that. It would be like the situation where a man says, uh, oh, I, the, uh, of course, I don't have time to be romantic or close because I work all the time. I have such a good salary. So she should be so happy. I'm such a good provider. That makes me a good husband. And in fact, she's like, I've been begging you to take a different job. I'm begging you. We could do with much less money. Please get a different job. You know, I could go back to work, whatever it is. And I want to have you around more. So in that situation, which is common, um, women are begging the guy to not uh, be a workaholic and instead he's gone all the time and insult to injury salt in the wound he says as though he hasn't heard any of her complaints about it oh this makes me in fact a good husband no it doesn't it doesn't make you a good husband in her mind or a good father because although the children do have money they don't have them around so that's how men feel about a very anxious and constricted uh and regimented and overplanned um you know parenting modality that that their wife gets into
All right. Well, I hope that this one opened up your eyes. This was a little longer than I usually go because I had a lot to say on the topic. And uh, it would be one that could, you know, lead to a lot of self-awareness if you can listen non-defensively to it. And really, as it spoke about most, both genders, it can lead to self-awareness in, in really anybody listening. All right, guys, have a great day and I'll talk to you soon.